This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Wait a minute. That's the other podcast you do. Oh, yeah. Are you legally allowed to even say that? Number one, it's false because there's only there's only me and you. Number two, uh, are we going to get sued by the NFL? Bro, it's called IP, bro. Intellectual property of which I own none. Yeah, I was going to say it's like when Conan left NBC, he had to leave the masturbating bear mm. and the horny manity behind. Mm. I don't think you're allowed to say Roomful of Heroes on this your better podcast well a couple things bob yep first of all welcome to the throwback podcast uh and that's my bosom buddy bob castrone second um any litigation we would incur of course absorb oh yeah yeah. even even the nfl if the nfl the conglomerate of the national football league comes after us right head gum right just gonna stand up heroically and say we got this. Yeah, I'm assuming either Jake or Amir. Oh, not both of them. One, but not both. Okay, that for some reason that makes sense. Kind of like a, um, a Air Force One, Air Force Two situation. Okay. So if if God forbid they absorb the lawsuit <laughs> and it doesn't work out, the other one, the other guy, come in. Headgum's still okay, and absorb the rest of the lawsuit. Well. That's for them to figure out. That's their, for their legal eagles. Yeah, I mean, we obviously no know. Lawyers. We know. A, we know a lot about how these things work. Clearly, yeah. So. Uh, and this and my other podcast is much better than this one. Well, that's like objective. Yeah. I think that's the other thing. That's, um, that's really that's really up to uh, the <laughs> listener. I think the listener out there, he or she will decide. I do listen to your other podcast more than I listen to this one. So that is not a great sign. Not a great sign. Um. And on the subject of litigation, last week's REM podcast, we talked about how we wanted to get into the details uh, or the juicy behind-the-scenes details of Alanis Morissette's personal life. We did. We, we did discuss And then that. we held back on account of a civil suit. But again, HeadGum would absorb that. So just another thing to think about as we get closer to the Atlantis podcast that really we should just take the gloves off. We could start, you know, giving out dirty secrets, nothing to worry about. No allegedly ahead of time. Yeah. No masking any names. We will unmask everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of un. Oh, unplug. Yeah, I mean, that's you're, te- you're technically right. That doesn't make it a good segue, but you're it technically is, right. that's that's a home run seg. Okay. Uh, unplugged in New York. It's Nirvana week for the Throwback Podcast. A lot of people have been asking for Nirvana for a long time, and here we are. Yeah, we're talk about Chris Novoselic's band. Yes, Chris Novoselic. Chris Novoselic's Don't band. Don't forget the T. Uh, you know, so many diehard Novoselic fans out there that just wanted to really dig into his discography. So here we are. This is the Novacellic podcast. The Novacelicolics were they called themselves that. They've been hounding us on Classic Twitter. Classic Novacelicites, they call themselves. Yeah. And uh, we're ready. We're finally ready. It's kind of crazy to me that it's taken this long for us to do Nirvana. But you know, people people will come at us on Twitter and be like, "How come you haven't done this one yet?" Well, I mean, we can only do one at a time, guys. 
Right. Well, plus we make a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, I mean, like we obviously. did live before we did Nirvana. We, we did, did Robbie Williams before we did Nirvana. We did Everclear before we did Nirvana. But now it's time to do Nirvana. But here, the yeah, we've done Nirvana now. After in the next hour, we could say we did Nirvana. Oh, it's gonna feel good. Yeah. So what? Uh, so we did Unplugged. I am incredibly deeply familiar with this album, as as millions of people are. Uh, but this one was the one that really made me fall in love with Nirvana. So I know, Bob, that this album came out in 1994. Yep. And I want to say it was a little later in 94. I'm going to say November 1994. You fucking nailed it. Yes. You did it. I did it. And I'm proud of myself. Let's just end the podcast now. Not even listen to it and just go out winners. It just It's such a November album. It is a very November album. So what was going on, Bob, in November of 1999? A couple of big time things, Dan. Uh, George Foreman, at 45 years old, KO'd Michael Moore to become the boxing heavyweight champion. I remember watching that fight on my uh, uncle's scrambled cable box. You remember that? Everybody had yep. a scrambler, it was called. Oh, yeah. And I th it was illegal. It was very illegal, but our entire town had it. Yeah, so if uh, people that are maybe younger don't realize what this technology even was... Everyone had cable boxes in the 90s, and if you got this— Like a bunch of goddamn cavemen. Yeah, and and you would have, you know, 57 channels or whatever it was. Here to seven channels and nothing's on. Um, and no. it was, that was like a, the worst period of Bruce Springsteen's career, and I just brought <laughs> it back up. Yep. Um, and at some point on the black market came the Scrambler, which if you got it, you would get every channel— including the pay-per-view channels, including Spice. Yep, the course, Spice Network. Which was a uh, pornographic, 24-hour uh, pornographic. Was it 24 hours? I I don't know. It was not How a lot I of men. It I, was many hours. I wasn't allowed to turn it on because my dad worked in electronics. Mm. So when we got the illegal box, I was like probably you know 13 or 14. And he, he sat me down and was like, just so you know, there's uh there's a channel on there. It's like channel sixty one. Yeah. You're not allowed to watch it. Yeah. If you ever turn it on, I put something in the box, I'll know that you were watching it. Oh, that's bullshit. So well, I was horrified because yeah. like my dad knew how to do that kind of thing. So I I it Wasn't took, it worth the risk? Eventually it was. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a few, it took me a few years to build up the courage. The Well, I'll i I'll get back to the main point, but we need to stay on the spice topic for a little bit longer. <laughs> On the box that my parents had, and I have no idea how my parents, Keith and Deb, who really good people, good, decent people that are they follow the rules. They are good members of society. Yeah. This tells you how widespread the scrambler was. Oh, that they got their hands on it. Like, yeah. were they like in some like alleyway? No, there was in, like, like there was one Italian guy. Gotham that just City came to, somewhere. One Italian guy came to everybody's house like Uncle Marty. Oh, they were like a Geppetto type guy. <laughs> hey, I got your box here. Yeah, it was like there's that guy who would kind of hang out in the CVS parking lot and then come to so your house. So there was one guy that was cleaning up. I think so. Scramblers to like good, honest folk. Yep. Anyway, our box had, and again, this tells you about technology back then. It was a, a literal switch in the back of the box, like the on off type switch that you could program the other switch for, to block certain channels okay and then there my and it came with an actual miniature padlock oh wow um that 
you couldn't get into it to do the switch unless you had the key. I found the key eventually. Yeah, you like Shawshanked your way into the back of it. And that once thing. I found the key, everything changed. <laughs> All bets are off. All bets are off. Anyway, so back back to the original point. Obviously, we're talking about boxing right now. Boxing. Oh, because of the scrambler, I saw every major pay-per-view fight in the 1990s. Yep. I remember when um, Holyfield's beer, ear got bitten off by Tyson. Everybody was over my house. These type of things. The dude that uh, parachuted into the ring. Yes. That was a big parachute deal. guy. Yeah. Anyway, I remember watching that fight. Yeah. And now we're like barreling towards as old as the oldest man ever to win the uh, heavyweight championship is. So we're getting there. Well, you know, that's what's life. Uh, on November 28th. It's an unstoppable march, Bob, that ends with worm feed. Uh, November 28th, convicted serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer was clubbed to death by an inmate in the Columbia Correctional Institution gymnasium. Yeah, you were you were saddened by that. I remember because you were like very big into <laughs> pro Dahmer. Um, put it this way, Dahmer kind of had it coming. He ate a bunch of gays, <laughs> bold, as I recall. Bold, bold stand. Wasn't that his thing? He ate gays, ate gay people. Yeah. I don't know if that was his thing. Yeah, well, read up on it, Bob. I don't want to. Well, he did. He targeted homosexual men in the Milwaukee area, murdered them. And then uh, ate their bodies and kept some of their body parts as souvenirs in his apartment until it was discovered. I didn't know he was so picky about who he was eating. Do man, they? Do the man they, was eating homosexuals. Do Bob. they? Do they taste better? Can I ask that? I think you know the answer. <laughs> All right. All right. Hold serial on. This is... murdering. I'll stop. All right. We should definitely <laughs> stop. Uh, this is crazy. Uh, two days after that happened. Uh, Tupac Shakur was ambushed and shot inside the lobby of a recording studio in Times Square. Uh, I wrote this whole thing down. Tupac publicly blamed Biggie Smalls, who was upstairs in a recording session at the time. He had $35,000 worth of jewelry taken. <laughs> he was shot five times Stop. and had one of his testicles shot off. Oh, he got the testy blown off. Yep. Oh, that's right. So bad day for Tupac Shakur. I didn't realize he lost a, uh, a, a nut. Full on lost the nut, bro. And I just want to, going back to the previous thing, make it very clear that it's a super bummer that the Milwaukee homosexual community got targeted by Dahmer. You heard it here first. Super bummer. I am on record. Bob, not on record. Jury's still out <laughs> on this side of the room. Uh, no, I, I agree, Dan. No, Bob, too late. Okay. Uh, wow, Shakur lost the testicle. Lost the test. Well, all right. That's why they gave you two. In case you get one blown off and $35,000 into the jewelry gets stolen from you. <laughs> All right. And uh, movies that came out that month. The old saying. That is an old saying. Uh, Double Dragon, the movie. Bad movie. Uh, Interview with the Vampire. Good movie. Never saw it. The Professional. Yeah. And another movie that came out in November 1994. This movie. Throughout history, many famous pregnancies have occurred. Demi Moore. Princess Diana. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger? That's impossible. No. It's not natural, and I'm not interested. <laughs> How's that to start a trailer? I'm in. I'm all in. Is that Junior? 1994's <laughs> Junior, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger with Danny DeVito. You know Schwarzenegger was got banged on that because uh, Last Action Hero bombed. Yep. But before he knew that, he was probably in the middle of production on the movie where he plays a pregnant man. Yeah, he was like, let's get the guys from Twins back together. Another another hit 
coming down the pipe. And and imagine his his horror when he realized the movie to get my career back on track is going to be Junior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and here's the number one song in November 1994. Oh, come on! Come on! Two weeks in a row! Uh, do we, this is another Boys to Men song. More Boys to Men. Back to back. This was... People won't realize it. Well, let's listen to these assholes. Why am I so mad? <laughs> Close your eyes, make a wish, and blow out the candlelight. For tonight is just your night. We're gonna sell. One thing I was Why really- are you blowing out the candlelight? You lit the candle <laughs> to fuck by it. Why are you telling her to blow it out already? It's not a birthday party. He has body images. Is he fucking her at a birthday party? Well, it's possible, Bob. This is an applause for your Thank you. I'm used to this. (laughs) All right. We've never done a live album before. This is going to be a whole different ballgame here. This is her first record. Most Most people don't don't own it. All right, here we go. Track one on MTV Unplugged in New York about a girl, Nirvana, which fans of Nirvana will know this is also track one on their first album, Bleach, but it's an electrified version. An electrified version that became one of those songs I put on any mix that involved Nirvana because this one was a hit like this was played all the time we got so used to this one switching on to the electric every so often it's a nice mix mixes it, it also up. gives you a little cred a little more cred yeah yeah um and this is my favorite song on the album it's also probably the most famous song on the album probably um so they come out of the gate with like an absolute well yeah because it, it kind of came out like an original like, if this was a Greatest Hits album, this is, like, the new song. Except it wasn't right. a new song. It was, like he said, first album, Nobody Owns It. So it feels like a new song, even though it wasn't. First album, most people don't own it. Not, um, a, gr- not a great Kurt Cobain impression. <laughs> I'm sure there are worse out there, but not not great. This is off the first album, most people don't own it. I like that you're now just using this podcast to try out impressions. <laughs> two weeks in a row. Um, this is It's a perfect song. It it's like with Nirvana, they always said that Cobain was a huge Beatles guy, and this is basically a Beatles song with the, the reworked version of it. The original version. I think we should play a little bit of the original version, just because Bob. Sometimes this happens more than we realize. 
like people listen to our podcast and don't really have any familiarity with the source material. So maybe people don't know what the original sounds like. I mean, it sounds like this with electric guitars. I think it's a lot different. Prove me wrong, asshole. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. This is the original version of About a Girl. Off Bleach. On what record label, Bob? Oh my God, it's, I haven't even thought about this in right, Think about it. So good. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, hugely influential indie label, Bob. Sub Pop. Yes. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think that this this was a massive, this was the big, I think it was the first single released off yep. Unplugged. And for people that are unfamiliar with it or have kind of forgotten, like, what a big deal it was for Nirvana to do an Unplugged album. Like, yeah, unplugged was like what Eric Clapton did, right? And and then on top of it, it was a surprise that Nirvana would sign up to do something like that. And then on top of it, what they did was they agreed to do it, and then they did it on their own terms by doing probably if they had I don't know eight huge hits at that point or really well known songs, they probably played maybe half of them. They didn't play Smells Like Teen Spirit on this album, which is incredibly ballsy. And they put like covers, covers of their like friends bands. Uh, the Meat Puppets. Are the coming Meat out. Puppets. They had uh, like a 1920s blues legend at the end. Lead Belly song. We'll get to yeah, that. Let's, let's do it. Uh, all right. Let's move on. This is track two. This is one of the uh, big hits uh, earlier in Nirvana's career. Come as you are. performance the unplugged special if there's a documentary on if there's a book if there's a oral history i am all over it well i feel like i'm fascinated by its existence i feel like mtv programming for nine years was basically documentaries about this performance <laughs> right like they just found like it's the true life the ultrasound the all different types of like any mtv news and docs program covered this which makes sense because Especially after he killed himself. And he killed himself like four months after. I think this was recorded in December 93. And he killed himself in April 94. And 
once he died and he almost immediately, and we talked on this podcast about the moment when we found out, but once he killed himself, he immediately became like this legend and this like kind of saint of the alternative rock moment and in general, in general, like kind of our generation and MTV was wise enough to see that they were like in the middle of the moment. Like that was his last notable live show. And, and then they helped build the legend of this by right. putting it on TV constantly, releasing the album. And that's when MTV had, you know, juice still. Yeah. And this was just everything about this unplugged performance from the instruments that they played on stage to the way it was decorated to what Kurt Cobain wore. I mean, I could still like, I could paint you. If I, if I knew how to paint, I could paint you a picture from memory of how everything looked in this from like Dave Grohl's hair. You don't, you can't paint Bob, but you were Bob Ross for Halloween one year, weren't you? That is true. Yeah, I was. Um, but it's just, it was like iconic from top to bottom. And like you said, it was everywhere for years and years, like documentaries, people talking about it. Anything we say today has been said in front of a camera uh, on MTV. But we're commenting on what was said. So, again, showing that our podcast is a little bit cutting edge, a little meta, a little bit different than, are you listening, Webbies? It's like <laughs> making a hard push for yeah, a Yeah, really hard push. Man, that guy's fucking desperate. That guy hates himself. That guy really wants a uh, Webby. Did you say Webby because I'm wearing a Webby shirt right now? Are you? I am. Look, I'm wearing my Webby Award winner shirt. <laughs> I had no idea you were. <laughs> what did you win a Webby for? Uh, well, that laugh was weird. I'd never heard you laugh like that before. <laughs> it was like an extra at the end. It, usually your laugh. You got evil. Your laugh is usually like, <laughs> and then it kind of trails. Yeah. That laugh stayed through the zone, I through was the looking, strike zone. I was looking down at my Webby shirt, and I saw just how ridiculous it is. And it got that was like funnier. a Tim Robbins laugh. It was like, ha, 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 ha. I'm going to Jeffrey Dahmer you Ooh. tonight. <laughs> You're going to Dahmer me? Yep. You know what it was, actually, Bob? No, it wasn't Tim Robbins. That was a Kelsey Grammer laugh. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> ha, 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 Niles. How dare you? Niles, you'll never fuck that English chick. What was her name? <laughs> Daphne. He, Daphne. Mar- he marries her. Well, do you think Frazier believed in his brother? Earlier in the series. This is topical because I feel like Frazier probably came out around this time. So. It was prob- I think it was the number one sitcom. Well, it was a- for yeah. old people. We're old. Anyway, this is Jesus Don't Want Me. Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam. This is a cover by. Yes. Uh, whose song was it? Well, play it up. Uh, raise it up. You said play it up. I said play it up. Okay. I want to say it was the Vaselines. That's correct. Yeah. Did you look that up? No, I did not. You sure? I'm pretty sure. All right, I didn't believe you. Uh, it almost has like a like a folk song, like an old Irish folk song vibe to it. And this is when, like, if you're listening, to, I'm trying to put my put myself. Not that I was incredibly familiar with their back catalog, but uh, you, said cat- the- you said catalog. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair play. Even. Um, 
I wasn't like incredibly familiar with Nirvana beyond their hits before I got this album. But really, because I remember I have like distinct memories of you with the cassettes of Incesticide and Bleach, and you were more into Nirvana than I was. Yes, but that I, came that came after this. I had never mind, but it was. Um, like Pearl Jam 10, it was because my dad had the CD. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. And again, me. because his brother, um, Ed, my uncle Ed, got him the Nirvana CD, and then I took it. But I really didn't really grasp how good Nirvana was until after Cobain died. And then when this album came out, I got it right away. And by the way, I bought the tape because I didn't have a CD player yet. Yeah. I didn't get a CD player until my 15th birthday the following April. Uh, and I fell in love with the tape and listened to it constantly and then bought their back catalog. But my point was, is that how crazy is it that this was track three? Like anybody that was expecting Nirvana, like you think this is be a perfect spot for Smells Like Teen Spirit or Heart Shaped Box, neither yeah. of which are on this album at all. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very it was cool. kind of like a, a really punk move uh, to basically say, MTV, you, we'll give you our name and the ratings and all that, but we're going to do it our way, and you're not going to be able to say anything about it. And we, you were talking about the, uh, the setting. Like, I could picture everything about the room, because we, we've seen these things so, much, so mm -hmm. many times between – Watching the special between the videos that were taken from it, the documentaries, you got the Cobain uh, cashmere button-up yep. sweater with the like grungy white T-shirt underneath. You have Dave Grohl in the black turtleneck. Yep, with his little. I think he has out. that. He has to, right? He has to have that. Yeah. Unless he threw it out before he realized like the gravity of what that performance was. Also a possibility, or was just like there on set, or it's in like a it's in a hard rock cafe in like Orlando right now. That's also possible. It's a possibility. It's <laughs> uh, Pat Smear, uh, who joined the band in their later years, and later the Foo Fighters, um, not wearing shoes. Yeah, I remember we talked a lot about that. It was weird yeah. that he wasn't wearing shoes. We were we were upset by that. Uh, of course, the the center of the band, Novoselic, Christ. Yeah, yeah. Chris Novoselic. Big K. Don't remember anything about him. Was he there? I think he was there. <laughs> uh, Kurt Cobain, he was chain smoking. He was wearing uh, the the cashmere button up and the ripped up jeans. And uh, he looked pretty hot. Pretty hot. Pretty hot. All right. Now. If I, if about a girl is the most famous song off this album, this is the second most famous and might be like the most played. All right, song. Let's do it. At least on Sirius XM satellite radio. So now I narrowed it down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did look up the best names before. Um, I know you did. This I don't need I to look. This I don't need to look up. 
This is a David Bowie cover. Yep. The man who sold the world. Yes. And we talk a lot in this podcast about how um, talented Dan and I are at playing the axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Total axe men. We got a bunch of uh, songs we could play, including... We shred that noodle. Including in par- part of uh, Santa Monica by Everclear. Yep. Uh, Blister in the Sun, just yep. the bass line of I it. I play the opening chords of Stand By Me. No, not by Ben E. King, Oasis. <laughs> right, and uh, I can play this little riff right here, just this part, on yeah, the two strings of the guitar. Do you remember what the big talking point was around this song? I don't, I don't remember. That, that... Riff that you speak of that you've mastered. Mastered. You you have the hot licks. For I, it. I could I could teach a class. This is all guitar talk. Just these are two guitar heads just talking. Axemen. Did you say that one Total already? Total Axemen. Yeah. Say, yeah. You did. Okay. You got those licks down, down flat. Yep, that's what we say. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, everybody's like, is this cheating? Because why is he playing electric guitar on unplugged? Yes, that's right. And I don't. I think the response was. Well, it's actually not electric guitar. I can't tell you whether it was or not, even though we are massive guitar heads. We are, ma- like you said, massive. I think he maybe he plugged in an acoustic guitar and made it an electric axe grinder machine. Anyway, it's an awesome song, and it helped me discover David Bowie's back catalog, which I had... Again, no familiarity with beyond the song where he's like super gay with Jagger dancing yes. in the street. I knew that that was going to be the <laughs> reference point that you had. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows Space Oddity, uh, but Lab- in like Labyrinth in the early '90s, yeah, I only knew Space Oddity. Probably didn't know it was David Bowie, right? But I knew the song where he's in like matching '80s jumpsuits with Mick Jagger, dancing prancing around some back back lot, calling out around the world. But then I've listened to the Bowie version of this, and it's also excellent. Uh, but this is, like, kind of pretty gorgeous. Yeah. I would say, yeah, this is the second most popular song. In this yeah, that, that sounds right. Oh, I love this part. Ready? Because uh... they had a string section there, too. They did. And remember all the, like, funeral flowers? I remember fucking everything. Yeah. I said that already. I said I remember everything. I think you forgot the flowers. It feels like you forgot the flowers. I might have forgot the flowers. Uh, and then one of those countless documentaries. And it was always like the same seven executive producers. I think I might have worked on one at some point. <laughs> I probably <laughs> During did. your MTV days. Statistically, I probably did. Um, during one of those documentaries, we learned that that was when they were asking Kurt Cobain for set direction. That was like... The only thing he wanted to make sure was there was a ton of I don't remember the type of flower, but it is sadly prophetic. Then then he ends up killing himself a few months later. Yeah, I know. Oh, is that guy depressed? Oh, his last major television performance. He wanted funeral flowers all around him. Some people failed Cobain. It wasn't us, Bob. Well, we probably just thought that it was Novoselic pulling the strings and we just assumed he was the one that ordered the flowers. This is all about Novoselic. Isn't it funny, in retrospect, how much everybody, after Kurt Cobain died, everybody looked at Nirvana and said, 
what's Nova Sela going to do next? Nobody ever talked mm-hmm. about Dave Grohl. It was all, what is Nova Sela going to do? And what did he do, Bob? Didn't he, like, run for mayor of some city? He got into politics. He got into politics, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he was victorious. Don't know. Is he is he in Washington does right now? Does he have now? a Wikipedia page? No. <laughs> right, let's find out. All right. I think he does. Out. I'm going to say he does. All right, I, I, I would think he does. I just had a weird flashback, like thinking of something I haven't thought of in years. Mm-hmm. This was an album that I liked a lot of grunge music at the time. Uh, my mom, my sister, not a fan of this kind of music that me, like a moody 14, 15 right. year old was listening to on on car trips. When you're like in a car with your mom and your sister or whoever, and you're listening to the radio or you're playing music together. It was like twisting. It was like pulling teeth to try to get my music on the radio. Yeah. And whenever I would put something on, they would be like, oh, it's depressing. Turn it off. And that like, was a big thing with the 90s. Yeah. yeah and I, I could never even try to put on a Nirvana album because it was too loud and whiny. But I remember when this came out and I got the tape, I remember being able to play it in the car sometimes. And this was a song that when it came on, they would both go, oh, it's so depressing. And we'd have to like fast forward through Penny Royalty. <laughs> And I think because of that, it became one of my favorite songs on the album. Just because it was like you, your way of rebelling against them. Yeah, it was all about rebelling. Yeah. Um, I got that a lot with Counting Crows. As I've said on this podcast before, I I went incredible lengths to hide anything about myself to yeah. my family from age like 13 until present. No, like age... 13 until I went away to college. I basically just hid away all aspects of my personalities. I don't even know why I just did. I mean, I'm not saying you should have stuck with that, but it probably would have all worked out better. (laughs) Maybe you're right. But, uh, but if I did happen to have like my Discman, the remember the Discman, um, transfer thing where you had the Discman. Wait, is it, is it Jewish? What? It's like the disc. It's a Discman. Discman. Disc man? Yeah, it's a disc man. Disc man? No, it's a, it's a disc man. Is it Spider-Man? No, that's disc. It's not disc men. It's disc man. Disc man. Disc man. No. Disc man sounds too like no. it's a dude. It's just, all right. Look at it this way. It's the same as Walkman. 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 It's a Walkman. Disc man? Is that that's how it is? Hey, it's Johnny Discman over there. Hey, Johnny Discman, what's going on? Anyway, my Disman, uh, you remember the adapter where you put the tape into the car and the wire and that plugs into the Discman. Uh, If I had like a County Crows album on it and I was giving picking up my mom from work or driving my sister somewhere. Not even a chance. It'd be like, why is this so depressing? Yeah. Why are you listening? Your music's depressing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go deeper into my shell. That was (laughs) what I was thinking uh, to myself. Anyway, that was Penny Royalty. Uh, we'll go into uh, the next song. Penny Royalty was on In Utero, I believe. Sounds uh, right. Nirvana's follow up to Nevermind. That uh, is, to me, not that good. 
but uh, still has a great reputation. Has some good songs. Yeah, I was very let down by it. I remember being let down by it when I got it. And I think I traded it to somebody. Right. They tried very hard. They did basically what Pearl Jam tried to do for half of Vitology, where they knew they had millions of teenage fans and they were trying to shake free of as many fans as possible. Mm -hmm. Pearl Jam kind of did a half measure because they did that for half of Vitology and then the rest of it was like Better Man. Big number one singles. Yeah. So they they couldn't, because it's pretty ballsy to do that, what they did, and you also have to probably fight your record label tooth and nail to do it. Uh, And Nirvana did it because they were legit. And I, I guess that's part of the reason even though Vitalogy came out after Kurt Cobain died, why Kurt Cobain disliked Pearl Jam's music so much right? is that Pearl Jam was always a little bit more commercial. Like, they were okay with trying to... They liked the idea of being a, a big band and being successful. I don't and, know. You, you said that during the uh, 10 podcast. I still don't fully agree with that. I mean, listen to verses. Listen to 10. I think that's just the like music they were making. Singles. Yeah, that's just what they were making. I don't think they were aiming for radio singles. Um, there was definitely a more commercial sheen than what Nirvana was doing. I don't think there was. Wow, really? Yeah, I think Nirvana was more punk, but that doesn't mean that Pearl Jam was more commercial. They were just doing stuff that nobody else was doing that happened to All right, here's a question. more people. Top 10 Nirvana songs against the top 10 Pearl Jam songs. I would, I would rather listen to the top 10 Pearl Jam songs, but I've always been more into Pearl Jam. What about you? Probably Nirvana, I would say. Okay. But I would love the top 10 Pearl Jam songs. That's, right. a, that's a good conversation. That's the Beatles stones of our generation. Kind conversation. of is. All right, here's Polly. This was on Nevermind. It was a uh, really sparse acoustic song on Nevermind. Actually played, as I recall, with a guitar that was purposely out of tune. Also very heavy subject matter about a girl that was kidnapped, like raped and tortured for extended period of time and then escaped. That's what Polly's about. Okay. It's pretty hardcore, isn't it? You're going to learn stuff on this podcast, even if it's, you know, a little dark. You know, it's dawning on me, this this Pearl Jam Nirvana thing between us. Yeah. This is the most interesting thing about our friendship. That's an indictment, but go on. It's an indictment, but it's also like it's an outlier because everything I know about you and everything you know about me and about who we are, I should be the one who likes Mm. Nirvana more and you should be the one who likes Pearl Jam more. But for some reason, there's like a glitch in the matrix and we flipped on this one. Okay, I kind of see what you're saying. Yeah. Like well, you're good. the you're the U2 fan. You you outwardly kind of want you love America, you love American stuff. Hmm. You love the sort of bigger arena band yes. kind of things. Well, uh, how did America get in the conversation? It it is. It just all kind of ties in together. You're talking about Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, no, it's a very like American, like populist kind of thing. I like I like bands that embrace big things and yes. have ambition. That's a that's a fair point. Yeah, and I would rather go see a smaller band somewhere smaller and a little more like outside the mainstream. 
So for me to like Pearl Jam, who you're saying is the one going mainstream, and mm -hmm. you to like Nirvana, who's the punkier one, it's a little, it's a little off. Well, the only thing that I'll say is I what short, you're saying. Shorthand, I'm saying I'm cooler logic than to it. I'm cooler than you. Right. And it's weird that you like the cooler band. Right. This is this this is ultimately what it's all spinning like spilling out of your brain right now. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. I'll like I'll let you enjoy that. The only reason it doesn't really work is because I love Pearl Jam too. And I love Nirvana too. Yeah. But it's weird that you love Nirvana more than Pearl Jam. Well, that's just uh, that's one of those great mysteries of the world, Bob. Well, we have 200 more episodes of this podcast <laughs> to get to the bottom of it. Uh, this is On a Plane. This is also from uh, Nevermind. Bob, can you beer me? Sure, buddy. Okay. Fuck Kurt, Pearl Jam. Kurt Cobain would hate that. Oh, he would. He's, he's so mad that we're doing this. My brother died really not so far we are one two three four five six seven eight songs into this every one of these songs um are great great songs and they all and to nirvana's credit especially chris novoselic but the other two guys too whoever they were uh they chose the the listing of how this would go the sequencing and it's perfect it just kind of flows beautifully yeah it's so easy to listen to this from beginning to end Quick, quick, quick aside that Kirk Cobain would hate. People have uh, asked us about what we've been drinking lately. Uh, mm. Today, I am drinking the Golden Road Wolf Pup Session IPA. Right. A beer out of a can, a beer that has quickly become my favorite beer of the fall of 2017. Ooh. Love Are you listening, beer. Golden Road people? Love this beer. I think... Wolf Pup. It's Golden Road? Golden Road. Let's make an overture to try to get free beer. I feel like we might be able to. Like a naked overture. My low-budget movie, Flock of Dudes, Golden Road gave us all of the bottles. So we, like, everybody in the movie is drinking Golden Road. All right. So, so I feel like we might be able to get a beer. This Let's is go. why we need an intern. We to do grovel an, an email to the goldenroad.com folk. Yeah. Uh, I'm drinking Pacifico because I like watered-down lager. Mm -hmm. And if, if I had my druthers, I'd be drinking Tito's Vodka right now. But early on in this... Um, podcast experiment i realized that mixing hard liquor with um talking for 75 straight minutes eh, doesn't always work out too well especially when we bang out two in a night it's a lot of vodka a lot of vodka you may remember uh, to, to see another warning of the the perils of um hard liquor usage uh, our friend Jason Zumwalt on the Recovering the Saturday <laughs> Light Spot of Gas Fight County Currents. No, That's a good reference. Jay. Jay, was on, uh, Jay was on fire that night. We're going to have to get Jay in here again. Just got to figure out what album to do with Jason. Tweet at Jason Zumwalt. Tell him you want him back. Throw out some album suggestions. All right, next track again. Another. This is why I love it. Because once again... Um... He picks a Nevermind song. Which Novoselic does? Yeah, Chris Novoselic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other two guys. Uh, pick a Nevermind song, which was only like the biggest album of this era. And instead of picking one of the big hits, 
they go with a deep cut from late in the album, in this case, the final song, Something in a Way. Yeah, the slowest, most depressing song. Ever. Yeah. I want to go back to Polly for a second, Bob, because it, the, the heavy subject matter we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, very heavy. The other thing that's crazy about Polly, and this is kind of like the genius of Kurt Cobain, but also it's pretty dark shit from a guy that eventually killed himself. The song is sung from the perspective of the kidnapper savage rapist mm. it's a pretty hardcore song if you listen to it knowing what it's about i don't even say i recommend it <laughs> just pay attention is what yeah. you're saying uh something in the way is a great uh album closer i love kind of uh, lower key album closers and it's also kind of depressing all the songs are a little bit i don't even a little bit a lot more depressing after he killed himself because it was kind of like Damn, this guy was giving us a lot of warning signs. Yeah. That he was in a bad place. But uh, what were we going to do, Rob? We are fucking 14-year-old well, we idiots. It. We couldn't have stopped no. it. You know who probably, you know who technically could have stopped it, though, is our friend Mark. Oh, I have an idea about that. We have to talk about this. Yes. But you have an idea? I have a great idea. First of all, why don't you tell the story during uh, Plateau here? Okay. So and then our, I have a great idea. Okay. Yeah. So our friend Mark, our good friend Mark, listener of the pod. Hi, Mark. Mark, when he Hang was... Hang on a second. I'm going to... <laughs> toward my idea that I have here. Yeah. I'm going to record this conversation we're having. Okay. Well, I mean, we're doing that. This is a podcast. So. Yeah, but that's going to be easier this way. Sure. Okay. So Mark, who's a couple years younger than us, Mark was about 12 when uh, when Unplugged in New York was... He was exactly killed. 12 years old. And Mark had an older sister, has an older sister, who got tickets to Unplugged in New York and said, I'm going to take my 12-year-old brother to come see Nirvana perform at Unplugged in New York. That same night in New York City, the WWF had a non-televised event going down at Madison Square Garden. Starring a house shows, they call a it the industry. house show. Yeah, uh, and 12 year old Mark decided he had to choose between going to see Nirvana unplugged in New York or going to a show where the Brooklyn Brawler was like third on the bill. Well, it was, a, it was an MSG house show, so the a little Brawler could have been on the bill, but he was probably lower in the buried bill. a little to, deeper to Mark's credit. To Mark's credit, the Brawler is probably. On the undercard. To Mark's credit, yeah. the big boss man was probably the headliner. The boss man versus Nails was probably like the main event. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tough decision for a 12-year-old. It should be stated, if we're really going to dive into like the semantics of this, that November or December of 1994, or 1993 it would have been. Oh, so Mark would have been... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 11. 11. Okay, which is pretty young. Young. Um was not a good time for the WWF. So we're not talking... This isn't like Hulk Hogan and Cyndi Lauper running into the ring together to fucking fight the Iron Sheik. And it's not The Rock and Stone Cold no, years later. it's Big Boss Man versus Nails for... It's Coco Beware versus... The Prison Belt or something. Yeah, it's Coco Beware versus Papa Shango. It's like Hacksaw Jim Duggan against Yokozuna for <laughs> America's Pride. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. That was pretty about. good. That was a good era. Was it, though? Like I mean, you got Razor Ramon was in there. You might have had like 
you could have had the one, two, three kid versus Razor Ramon. Right. You could have gotten like, <laughs> you could have had like the Beverly Brothers against. against oh, I don't know. LOD. Money Incorporated. Ted oh, DiBiase Money, and Money IRS might have been there. Uh, you know who was definitely there? Doink. Doink the Clown, Doink was, the clown was probably there. Maybe that would have been around the time that Doink was feuding with Crush. <laughs> Kona Crush? Anyway, call up the story about <laughs> I want to do this. No I one can, is listening I can anymore. do this all night long. Uh, Mark chose to go to the WWF house event and skipped out Nirvana Unplugged. We, we tease him because it's obviously the worst decision a human being could have made. Yes. But, but, you know, to Mark, in Mark's defense, he was 11 years old. What are you, you going to do? But Mark could have been there, could have been in the crowd, was not. And it's a regret that haunts him to this day. Hi, Mark. Because we won't let him forget it. No, we won't. Now, my idea is I am going to now um, take this recording. I'm going to okay. send it to him. And then we're going to close this episode with Mark giving a statement. That's a great idea. Yeah. So. All right. So stick around. There's the story. Our friend Mark. One of our most dear friends and a great guy chose to see a low-tier house event for the WWF over the most legendary live music performance of the last 40 years. Right. He decided, and now he's going to have his say. He decided he would rather How see... that for He would rather see Virgil go up against Mr. Perfect. <laughs> he made that decision. Yeah, he made that decision. He'd rather see uh, the... Remember the uh, World Bodybuilding Federation that Vince tried to get off the ground? <laughs> We're going to see Gary Stridham oh get God. a plug-in for Ico Pro. <laughs> the diet supplement. Anyway, all right. Wow. Now we're in deep. All right. We have, we have to end this at some point. Uh, this is Oh Me, another cover, Bob. Is it by the at Vaseline's? Is this a Meat Puppets cover? I think it is. I think it is. And I didn't put it together until many years later that the Meat Puppets had that great 90s song. Such a great 90s song. One of my favorite, like, one, not one in one. I guess they're one in wonders, but like, Backwater. Yeah. Such a great song. Um, I don't have much to say about this song, do you? No, it's just a perfectly enjoyable yeah, song. And, um,. For those of you who are like, Backwater, have you not listened to modern rock in the last 20 years? Whoa. This is Backwater. Yeah, this is. That's it. You don't even, like, you know exactly what song that is yeah, from that riff. You should. Some things have never changed. Remember they had a really cool logo with the Meat Puppets, and there was like a t-shirt that I always almost got. But never did because I I wasn't cool enough to get it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's. I, a tough I felt thing. like I felt like if I would have got the T-shirt, because you know having like a band T-shirt was like you're making a statement. I feel like I would have if somebody would have asked me like, "What's your second favorite Meat Puppet song?" I would have been exposed. This so. is the Meat Puppets. Um, yeah, that's the same thing with I wanted a Kurt Cobain shirt. Remember that everyone had the shirt of his like face. And it was like yes. Kurt Cobain, and maybe it was even spelled with the D, his first name, to show that you really knew, like, about him. But once again, I, I didn't want my family to know how much I cared about him. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. It is tough. We both have two boys. And I've heard it's really, it's even crazier dealing with teenage girls. That's what I hear. It's fucking quite a war zone to be a teenage boy. 
Yeah, you got a lot. You well, I think like a boy, you're keeping it all inside. There's no like reason to. A teenage girl is outwardly just like letting you know everything she's thinking. And I <clears throat> grew up in an otherwise very healthy like household, and I still was like completely fucked up and twisted in the head about like sharing things about myself. Yeah, which is weird. Anyway, and now uh, you have two podcasts, one of which is really good. Yeah, and the other one is is okay. Here we go. Lake of Fire. The other big time uh, gets a lot of radio play. Yes. Let's listen to it. Where the bad folks go when they die, they don't go to heaven where the angels fly. Go to a lake of fire and fry. See him again till the 4th of July. I apologize to everybody. I love uh, his voice in the song. Yeah, it's great. This is a Meat Puppet song. This is the Meat Puppets. They did two in a row, I think, and this was uh, they were on stage with him. That makes sense. You know what's really unfair to the Meat Puppets? Is that uh, I still never listened to the Meat Puppets version. And I feel like 25 years later almost, 23 years later, probably earned at least one listen to their version. That, that how much joy I've gotten out of this song. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I mean, I, I've that's on, you know, that's on me. I've, I've thrown it on a playlist or two. Have you? Is it oh, any yeah. good? It's great. I'm, at it's this point, as, it's, it's too late. To it's check. too late for you. Yeah. It's not as good as this. Like this is the definitive version, which I guess sucks for a band when the definitive version is sung by somebody else. Maybe it doesn't suck so bad because it's the defining voice of a generation. Mm. But. Chris Novoselic does have a Wikipedia page, by the way. I would hope so. He's a notable human being. You have a Wikipedia page. I don't oh, okay, think so, no. I think our podcast might. I don't know. Uh, that's an awesome song. Our podcast does? Not this oh, one. Oh, the other one. The does. successful one. Uh, I, I, I just call it the other one. <laughs> okay. Uh, two more to go. And uh, this next one is one of the most uh, recognizable Nirvana songs. I would say, like, In Utero, we were just talking about how we thought it was a little bit or you and I, anyway, a little disappointed by it, uh, maybe trying a little too hard to be counterculture. When at that point, maybe Nirvana should just leaned in. At that point, I mean, like her, I those think sellouts, I think, Pearl Jam. I'm just gonna. I mean, come on. Well, I, I, I still think I, I still think Heart Shaped Box is one of their best songs, even though I love. Yeah, and Utero's got good songs like right. "Serve the Servants" is great. "Rape Me" is good. "Heart Shaped Box" is good. And this song is good. Uh, this this version, though, I feel like is way superior uh, to the um, album version. You yes, agree? I completely agree. All right, let's listen to it. All it's almost like it should have always been this version, and he just he wouldn't give in. Like yeah. he wanted to make it a little more. Let's listen.
Jesus, here we go. Oh my God. It's awesome. Yeah, there was like a on in utero, even a song like this. It had to be a little bit abrasive. Like right. that was in utero's this, whole thing. This was my least favorite Nirvana song. The original. I, oh, really? I don't like this kind of song. Like a uh, song that kind of just goes like A, B, A, B, or like A, A, B, B. Kind of like sing song. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't stand it when it was like a huge hit. Stone Temple Pilots had a song similar to this. Oh, yeah. Uh, where it was just very, like a very simple, I can't creep. think of, Creep, yeah. And I just couldn't stand that one either. Listening to this now, though, I, I haven't heard it in so long, and this is the better version of it. I feel like I can finally listen to it, but for years I would just immediately turn huh. this off. Interesting. I think like, ooh, is this the part where he goes, yeah, 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 yeah? All right, let's just this. That's Dave a signature with, moment. In the Dave Grohl with his little uh, drumsticks, like yeah. the little feathery drumsticks yes. that he was using. Who's ever seen those things before or since? <laughs> and he had just had his little like mock turtleneck, or not even mock. It was a straight up straight black up, turtleneck. Straight up black it's turtleneck. Like, I'm gonna play with my feathery drumsticks. <laughs> it's amazing. Rock and roll. No wonder he, he gave it away to the Orlando Hard Rock. He doesn't want. He wants to distance himself <laughs> we, from we, his performance. We so. gotta get down to Orlando and see these things. Like. Dave Grohl in this unplugged with the black turtleneck, the ponytail and a bow, and the feathered drumsticks is like he makes he makes Phil Collins look like Megadeth. He looks like <laughs> the artsy girl you knew in college, like her boyfriend that you don't want to get roped into a conversation with. <laughs> Very artistic. Yeah. Did I bring up Tim Robbins earlier in the show? I think you did. I'm going to bring it back. And br- uh, Tim Robbins in High Fidelity, uh, who was banging yes. Cusack's, yes. <laughs> Cusack's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's you. That's your laugh from before. But um, that's Dave Kroll's Kroll's spirit animal <laughs> uh, in 1994 right. for this performance. Yeah. All right, finally, the final album and final song on the album. And by the way, a reminder to everyone, we choose one song from each album we talk about for our Spotify playlist. I have no idea what I'm going to pick. It's always a good um, sign for the album when we have no idea. Like when we did the Robbie Williams album. Yeah, that was a good good sign for that album. I mean, an album, a song that had been healing England for... 25 years 20 years and counting of course we're going to choose it this is going to be a little tougher and one more thought before we start the song there are more famous songs on this album but i think the final song is kind of like the most important song on this album and kind of tells the story of the end of nirvana and kurt cobain Cobain. this was like his goodbye yeah where did you sleep last night and it is Lead Belly, uh, a song who was like a blues legend from the early 20th century. Let's listen. My girl, my girl, don't lie to me. Tell me when did you sleep last night? In the clouds, in the clouds, where the sun. 
Biggest rock band in the world, and this is how they end their unplugged. <laughs> like, it's insane. A completely unknown song to 99.8% of the country. Um, if you remember, before they go into this song, and that maybe can even be its own podcast, just isolating the interludes of Kurt Cobain talking to the crowd and talking amongst the bandmates. Um, but he's trying to convince, or he tells a story how he tried to convince David Geffen, who is the head of his record label, to buy Lead Belly's guitar for him. Uh, but I guess it didn't work out. But it's pretty, it's pretty amazing that this is how he wanted to end it, and it's a fucking awesome song. God, we listened to this album so much when it came out. Like I'm just, I can't believe we didn't talk about it when it was on, but. The dude that yells "woo" during "Man Who Sold the World," like we, I, we like knew every crowd noise <laughs> yes. in this album. Yep. So I would love to hear it again, but like with the interludes and stuff, because it's been a while. I think I read that Lead Billy had like twenty kids or something. Sean Kemp is the guy. It was actually the guy from Boys to Men. Uh-huh. It's all coming together. It all ties together, guys. All right. So why is this such like a legendary? Uh, song. It's it's this part coming up uh, when Kurt Cobain, the camera's in tight on him, and he's completely lost in the song, and he's going nuts, and then he does the thing where his eyes open up, and it's just like, you see how crazy is. This is it, right? exhale that you hear yeah and then in the video and broadcast and if you've never seen it pull up pause this fuck whatever you're listening to take it throw it in the garbage break it and then go find don't use this device because you just broke it find another internet device to watch the youtube video of this performance such a strange move that you're doing here but you're following directions so good for you and check out <laughs> that scene uh where he does the deep exhale and then uh, he, he does the whole not through. And he just like his eyes yeah. when they big blue, bright eyes. And there's just so much sadness in them. And it captures everything you need to know about the guy. And it's kind of his goodbye. 
Well said. I yeah. mean, not the part about breaking devices and throwing them nah, away. I got a little lost in the weeds there, but, but well I dug said. myself out. Well I had a put. weed whacker, and I was like, I need to get back <laughs> to the Gotta get back to land. Gotta get there. I know there's a great Nirvana podcast in here somewhere. <laughs> anyway. There might have been. Oh, shit. I still don't know what song we're going to use. I mean, after hearing that, it's so hard not to go with that, but that's such an emotional song. How do you follow? How do you follow that? What on a podcast? On uh, our on a, playlist. Uh, playlist. Yeah. How does who follow? It? How does anybody follow? Like how that? does Semisonic follow it with like closing? Time yeah, like when we do the we'll Semisonic podcast next. Or another Lifehouse single. I mean, we could always sandwich over the Lifehouse, but. Uh, All right, so we have to pick yeah. one song from MTV Unplugged in New York, Nirvana, to go on our Spotify playlist. I'm I'm drawing a blank. A I have no idea what to do here. This is a fucking tough one, man. Uh, I wish Mark was here. He would help us. He would help us to say, like, why? How did the Doink crush uh, feud start? It started because Doink took a <laughs> mechanical yes. arm that was filled with lead and hit Crush over the back of the head with it on WWF Superstars one Saturday morning and uh, gave Crush a neck injury. <laughs> That's what Mark would say. That would be his response. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, Bob. All right, what do you think? Do you want to nominate? First? No, I don't. I, I want you to get the ball rolling because I don't right. know what to do. I won't say about a girl because it's too on the nose. Same for Man Who Sold the World. Same for uh, Lake of Fire, uh, but less so. Where did you sleep last night? Is it's so good? You said no to Lake of Fire. Is that what I didn't say no. I said. I initially said it, and then I was like, well, no, I wouldn't put it in the same category as about a girl, man who sold the world. Like, those are a little too well-known. Lake of Fire is probably one step below those. Okay. So I'd be okay with that one, and then sleep last night would be... That's what you want, right? In my heart, yeah. Yeah, I, But I know Lake that. of Fire is probably the safer pick. What well, do you think? I don't know. I mean, when we've been hanging out, we've been playing the uh, playlist in the background and it's been kind of perfect minus you know the lifehouse and robbie williams of it all but the question is what do, what do you want to hear next time we're like standing outside drinking a beer at a barbecue or riding in your car i mean i don't know how everybody's listening to this playlist. well that's I i'm mean, overthinking this dan pick one the reason that doesn't work because if i'm at a barbecue i, I want know like a fire ah, it's if different. i'm kind of just chilling out I want to hear. God damn it. This sleep. is going to be the uh, this is going to be the album that breaks the podcast. You no, it won't. Just break the tie, Bob. Go ahead. Pick it. Pick. I can't. Them. I can't pick it. You have to pick it. All right. You ready? I, I trust you. Where do you sleep last night? Done. It's the best song on the album. And by the way, it's the second week in a row where we're, we're picking the last song on the album. Yeah. Find the river last week. And where do you sleep last night? So there you have it. We did it. You want to take us away again, Bob? No, I want you to take us away. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll take it away. Um, we would really appreciate it if you leave a review and a star rating on iTunes. Uh, that helps the podcast. So if you can go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us uh, stars, preferably five. But if you want to be a dick, go fuck yourself. We'll do whatever you want. Uh, follow yeah, we, us. We won't know what you leave us, but like, give us five stars, asshole. Yeah, and follow us on Twitter at Throwback Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Throwback Pod, and check out the back catalog of our podcast. Uh, we're now what twenty four deep. Sounds right. 
We're about to do our 25th app, huh? Wow. Gotta shut this thing down. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so there you go. There you go. And stay tuned for a special word from our friend Mark. Yeah, Mark has a chance. This is a big stage for Mark. He's going to finally, after all these years, release an official statement on why he chose the house show from the WWF and uh, where he feels and how he feels in 2017. So uh, we're going to listen to a little more Nirvana, and then we'll throw it to Mark. Until next week. His was found in a Hello, Throwback Podcast fans. My name is Mark, and I'd like to read a prepared statement. Several days ago, I was informed that one of my deepest regrets in life was to be used as a bit by the hosts of this show, my dear friends Bob and Dan. It should be noted that Bob and Dan are terrible people and avid Trump supporters, in addition to 9-11 conspiracy theorists, as evidenced throughout the run of the Throwback Podcast. But alas... I can hide my shame no longer, and it deserves to live in infamy in podcast land. But my account, again, of a very painful regret, which my friends choose to expose to the world, will include corrections to the pre-recorded account, which they shared with me. In 1993, I was an 11-and-a-half-year-old boy, caught between my childish endeavors and what would become future passions and interests. That is best reflected in the subject of this statement. See, I was caught between a world where WWF wrestling had been my ultimate passion and a new world where I had a burgeoning passion for grunge music and loud guitar. My wonderful sister, wise with the foresight that I'd never attract a girl if wrestling was my only desire, sought to encourage my growing love of rock music. She would take me to buy CDs periodically at Nobody Beats the Wiz, a popular electronics destination in the 90s, even dipping into her own paychecks to get me CDs when I didn't have enough money to buy them on my own. Again, very selfless and kind, unlike Bob and Dan. So after school one day, my sister told me that Nirvana was playing a show that wasn't normal. It was going to be all acoustic, and she had a friend that could get tickets. But to me, that sounded equal parts lame and intriguing, because I love Nirvana, but I thought acoustic guitar was for pussies. Again, 11 and a half years old and wildly stupid. I still wanted to go, though, because it was a Nirvana show in New York City. Unfortunately, friends and I had already acquired tickets to a WWF house show at Continental Airlines Arena in New Jersey. So, my parents gave me the option of choosing one over the other. Even though the concert and the WWF house show were within a few days of each other, they wouldn't let me do both. Mind you, it was a tough choice. On one hand, you had Nirvana. On the other, you had legends in the squared circle like Doink the Clown, Erwin R. Scheister, better known as IRS, Ludwig Borga, Virgil, to be fair in my defense, which of course in hindsight is indefensible, Macho Man Randy Savage was there too. As an 11 and a half year old, I was well within reason in my undeveloped and stupid brain to pick nosebleed seats at a WWF house show rather than go see what is now considered one of the handful of most legendary musical events of the last 50 years. How was I to know that a Nirvana Unplugged show would be better than seeing Randy Savage fly off the top turnbuckle and lay his flying elbow to crush his solar plexus. So yes, it's true. I chose wrestling over Nirvana Unplugged. I don't blame 11 and a half year old Mark, but I do want to beat the shit out of him. Thanks for making my stint on your show a painful one, guys. You're great friends. That was a HeadGum Podcast.